Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Good evening, fellas. Ham. Good morning, fellas. And I'm Hamish, your host. We're going to get into the Eels' first trial against the Raiders, or should we say the uh, Mounties. Um, but before we do that, we've got to touch on the junior reps, both the New South Wales and um, the Country Rugby League as well. Um, and then we'll also have a look at some news, um, including the AGM and uh, then the Warriors po- well, attempted poacher Brown. And then we'll jump into the previews for the upcoming week of matches in the um, both the New South Wales Juniors and also the Country Rugby League Juniors. Um, so to start us all off, uh, we'll go to the Tasha Gales. Um, unfortunately, the Women going down 40-10 to 10 against the Steelers. There was a couple of blowout games this weekend, so um, I don't think we were the worst of it, but close to, uh, which was eight tries to two, and thankfully the Steelers only converted half of their tries, or otherwise it would have been a bit more. Um, but Rebecca Forsett and Shondell Akabu, I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh, both scoring tries. Did you see any of that ham, or did you get down there a bit late? Well, no, because I put the address that they that come up first on Google into my Google Maps. It takes me into Wollongong, and when I get into Wollongong, there's a giant rugby league club, and I go inside and said, oh, where's the stadium? Oh, it's 10 minutes away. Oh, all right, no worries, thank you. So, no, I, didn't, I just got the end as they were finishing up for that. All right, well, let's get to some scores you were there for. Um, which are apparently wrong on the New South Wales Rugby League site. Um, so we'll start in the Harold Matthews. Eels winning 26-14. to 14. I think on New South Wales it says 26-8. to 8. Um, Try scorers, uh, John O'Reilly... Uh, sorry, Junior John Wright. Wright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a double or a brace for Hayden Reddy McClintock. And then is it Mugatuatai? Yeah, I, I, I think it's Mugatutia. Muagatudia uh, picking up one and then Tatino picking up one and Tatino three of five off the boot. So how did it play out him? Uh, yeah, well, the Eels got out to a quick lead, 16-0, and they just sort of coasted from there. They never really looked in trouble until the last um, five minutes of play where the Steelers got a couple of late tries and kicked a goal to get 12 um, close, but then they eventually lost the ball and then, um, yeah, Parra just glided to a... An easy win. I thought um, I, I, this is the first time I've seen them properly this year and um, a very good forward pack. And I think the halves are uh, really good, especially um, Kalashi, who is in his second year of Harold Matthews. And he sort of really, um, when there was a, a sweeping play or a play out the back, he seemed to be on top of things and um, directing the team around. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, how that furthers, and Tobias, Tobias, uh, <laughs> look uh, really good. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting um, in the next couple of weeks. They've got some uh, strong opponents coming up soon. And then into the SG ball where the Eels came out victors 28-20, to 20, a big comeback from them. Uh, Sam Hughes, that crash over try from him in the beginning, that was very... Um, yeah, big, powerful, everything you guys have been putting them out to be. Uh, Birdie's man, Panasini, with a brace. <laughs> yeah, the boys. Tui with a brace. And uh, Sam Liozu, four from five. Yeah, so um, 
Paramount scored the first try on this one. I was very surprised. It was a grinding battle at the start of the game. I assume that was because of um, Hollis and Hughes in the middle. You just you give them the ball and they're just going to make 10, 12 metres a run. Um, their defence is absolutely fantastic. And then, yeah, but then um, the Steelers sort of showed their attacking prowess. And I sort of expected this with... Um, one of the, I think one of the best one of the better players I've seen in the competition, Aaron Shoup. He plays uh, right centre. They didn't get the ball much to him, which I was surprised about. But when he got the ball, he was very very damaging, and especially down that right edge, um, our left edge defence we were a bit, um, bit shaky. I think it's a new combination there, and Sam Luizu is usually a half or a centre, I believe. So he hasn't played much wing. Um, whether it be club or junior reps. And then I, I don't know how they come about it, but they fought back and won, which I was not expecting at all, especially after the um, Steelers in round one uh, flogged the Sharks, who were usually a very strong um, team and who we... I oh know we play them in the helmets this week. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was very surprised that uh, the Eels were able to come away for a win with that, especially because... Um, there's a few drop balls. Uh, we've got a new combination in the spine. Um, yeah, but they just seem to grind out a win. I think what I think is absolutely fantastic. If you go on the New South Wales Rugby League website, um, go on the draws. You can actually click on the games, and you'll see the team stats um, on there. And you can see that we complete. We had an 84% tackle efficiency, I believe. So I think yeah, it was definitely. Um, even though the Steelers put on a lot of tries and points, it was it's essentially our defence being better than theirs that won us the game. Well, as they say, defence wins premierships. Yeah. And our, our middle is absolutely fantastic. Got Hollison Hughes to start off. And they got Taylor Mawala, Caleb Tohi coming on off the bench. And um, Sam Hughes copped a terrible head, head knock. Um, late in the game, he's going to be ruled out for this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's out this weekend. So, you know, you have um, Taylor Mawala stepping into uh, the first team, who's absolute rock solid, and then you have Jai Vakai, who we've brought over from Manly, who's um, he played in the Harold Matthews Grand Final last year. Right, and did we? Are you talking there, Forty? No, no, my mic seems oh, like it's flaring up at all. My bad. Uh, and as we touched on last week, the Johns and Daily Cups um, were both played out, and um, they were up there on YouTube. I could live stream them straight to my TV through the Chromecast. Fantastic. Um, don't know why um, the New South Wales juniors can't do the exact same thing. How um, good is it? They're both together um, with Country Rugby League now, so... Um, it's so I, good. I have, just, I have no no words. It's it's there. It's it's there afterwards. I come home on the Sunday, and um, was able to watch it Sunday afternoon. And yes, just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. And then why couldn't we do this for um, Jersey flag reserve grade? Because it all comes under the one banner. So get onto it. That's what needs to happen. So everyone can enjoy as much football as possible. And, like, the streams were pretty decent quality. Like, they weren't full t- 1080p, but, like, it's as good as you're going to get. So, um, I, I, I did include um, Country Rugby League and, and New South Wales um, as well in the tweet 
New South Wales never got back to me. Quebec Country Rugby League said back, you know, about how great it is that they're able to live stream it and very yeah. thankful that we were giving them a shout out. Good on them. Yeah, I noticed they um, replied to a few things that have been tweeted at them. So their social media department is absolutely fantastic as well. They're doing, they're showing up the city guys. Yep, very much so. So. Um, what did I say? Thanks, Para Podcast. Glad you enjoyed the coverage. All 92 of the CRL rep season will be live-streamed on our Facebook page and website over the next eight weeks and also on YouTube, but that's not in that. So, um, But in, in those two matches, it was a draw in both games against the Bulldogs. Um, so we come out of that with two draws um, in, in both leagues, which is our first year in this competition. And... Then we'll get to the game that everybody is uh, waiting for us to review. Um, Raiders, or should I say um, Mounties 22 to the Eels 20. Um, But I think as in 40s wrap up on the Cumberland throw, uh, we can really put it down to either four tries to one or four tries to two, depending on when you sort of want to snap off taking all our... Um, first grade blokes off. And whether um, you want to factor in the fact that the second try was legal or not, but yeah. Yeah, it, well, it was never grounded, but um, <laughs> Ethan Parry, two tries, Jamin Salmon, a try, Michael Jennings, a try, and I think on that you'd have Moses with two assists. Um, so I'll let you guys jump into it, then I'll have my thoughts a little bit later. What you got, Bertie? I need those hot takes right now. Um, uh... Same refs, new, uh, same refs new season, getting screwed again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, refs, yeah, refs in mid-season form, fantastic. Listen, let's be honest. Like Last season trial, we smashed Newcastle and Brown came out and said we we are a very good team. And just don't he take t- the result. He tipped us for the grand final now. Yeah, exactly. So like, just don't take the result. Just The main thing is the, the biggest problem we had last year, besides our defense, was our um, combinations. You know, like Our, our backline seemed like it was like stuttering. Like, no one was in mm-hmm. rhythm. So, like, we, we needed to make our combos work. And I thought having Brown and Moses together, which they look, it looked really good. Okay, it's the first game, but I feel more comfortable with them. And it's not throwing shots at Corey Norman, but at least, like, I'm more comfortable. It looked good, put it that way, the back one. And that winger, Parry, like, Jesus, like, this is the first time I've seen him play since, what, the SG Ball final that he scored a hat-trick, was it, Ham? Yes, he didn't score yeah, a hat-trick. Yeah, so that's the first time I've seen him play. And, you know what? I went straight on to NRL Fantasy and put him in my fantasy team on the bench. So, like, yeah. But other than that, like, um, only Paramount can lose it, throwing an intercept or knocking it on in the... Setting, in the, setting yeah. a scrum when they're up by two with yeah. 30 seconds left and not letting, not letting the clock run out. That's a scene that was, in a rugby league to the PlayStation game. You do that, aggressive that tackle. That is exactly what it is, but like, Oh, God. God. But, uh, yeah, oh, what are your God. thoughts on the game, guys? Uh, I, I left the game pretty happy. First first off, it was a fantastic turnout. I've never seen St. Mary's packed out like that. Um, Ham and I have watched plenty of games there, um, especially at the business end of the district reps where they play a lot of finals. Um, that was a sensational turnout. Uh, but as far as the product in the field, I was largely happy. Um, the first trial I find is more about individual performances rather than team performances because you're trying to assess where your players are at rather than where your team's at uh, connections-wise. And for the most part, we're pretty good. Uh, there were some concerns, but that that was more on the back of some ill-discipline leading to the Mounties slash Raiders tries. Because otherwise, I thought we defended pretty well. Um, you know, between the 20s, they, they struggled to make a lot of meters, and our back three were largely cleaning up their kicks with ease. Uh, except for that 
late penalty before the first half, or first quarter, sorry, uh, that led to them scoring a, a dummy half try where the post got in the way. And then their second try came No, that was for, first. Oh, it was first half. Yes, you're right. Sorry, it was first half. And then there was the third quarter try where they got a glut of penalties and um, they they barged over, but he was held up. Unfortunately, the referee didn't have the benefit of the video ref and made a bad decision. Um, individual players, uh, obviously Dylan Brown was a um, an important one to evaluate, and I thought he looked pretty solid. Um, I don't think he was you know spectacular or anything, but he just did everything really well. And, and most importantly, I thought he kicked nicely. Um, he took on the line a couple of times and nearly scored at one point, and then he carried about three or four defenders at another point um, in the lead-up to the Michael Jennings try. He sort of just looked like an edge-back rower out there running the ball. Um, and, I mean, they were, they were good performances. Ethan Parry, Bertie mentioned, I think he's the player that's improved his stock the most this preseason. He's gone from a developmental player to potentially a top-30 player. It's going to be an interesting decision for the club moving forwards, how they address that, because they've got... Uh, do we have one spot left in our top three? Because we had three... Uh, yeah, is that what I speculating? That- we, had, we had a top 28, and then Corey Norman left the Dragons, and we're speculating that Reed Marnie and Dylan Brown will be promoted to full-time footballers. Well, Reed um, recently said he was top 30 in an there interview. There you go. And, and you'd have to think that Dylan will be top 30 based on the fact he's our starting 5-8. Yeah. So that, um, that would leave you with one spot in the top 30. So whether... whether <clears throat> Brad Arthur and Mark O'Neill want to leave that spot open for a George Burgess that we'll, you know, link to recently um, and try and make a play mid-season. Or whether you want to reward Ethan Parry for his form is an interesting question. Um, you don't have to finalise that until mid-season. No, you don't have to rush, correct? but it's a matter of whether you think Ethan Parry is your guy, like, for, for round one onwards. Because that, um, that back line has a few ways it can roll out, especially for... I think we um, we didn't touch on it, but I think they finalised the one-game suspension for Jamin Salmon. I'm not sure if it's official yet, but I saw it reported somewhere by the media that it'll be one game. So you've got that problem not, around. Not market. official as yet. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it would be nice to have a a back three of Gutho, Ferguson and Parry. That's yeah, a lot I'm, of metres coming out really, of our I'm end. really tempted by that prospect because, <laughs> like you said, the, the sheer athleticism, the, the way you start your sets and the power to finish them, because, uh, you know, he didn't score two incredible tries, but he showed a little bit of touch in his first try to dive over in the corner. And the, the second try was all Mitchell Moses with a, you know, a brilliant slice through the line and then a crossfield kick a la Tim Smith, you know, on the dime. He did almost have a third try, but he just didn't have enough room to get the ball from up because it was a bit of a high pass to get oh, it that's down. Right. And there was a, the grubber kick that went through that it kicked up and he, he fielded it and he, also, and he put his foot out just because it had a late kick up. So he, he was all uh, he was all over it, uh, right into the thick of things, and that was really encouraging. Um, and we've got between him and Ma- uh, Mike Sevo or Mike Sevo, some really interesting young guys or or you know fringe guys pushing in for those wing spots. Um, I, I know you were impressed by the back rowers, Ham. Um, what was your take on Murata and Sean? Oh, um, I just want to talk about Sean Lane first. His line on that left edge, he kept running it over and over and over again. And then finally, when we pass it to him, he offloads to Michael Jennings and just bursts through a hole. Honestly, we should have... I know that a good line opens up options for everyone else, so you can excuse them. Good line can do wonders, can't it? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Careful with the context after the NRL (laughs) preseason. Well, lucky he runs a good line. Lucky he doesn't do anything else. That's right. Um, Well, I hope he doesn't. Um, But yeah, he just seemed to be running that 
I don't know, it was a, it was an odd line, but he just seemed to be hitting a hole every single time, and we just couldn't get the ball to him. So I think with timing and a bit of experience and a combination together, that'll be a that'll be left side, strong side. I reckon. <laughs> Remember the Titans, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was encouraging to see that him and Dylan had a little bit of chemistry. Um, he nearly broke the line at one point before the Michael Jennings offload that you were talking about. So they they you know. You're, you're expecting there to be some like kinks and, and whatnot to work out in their partnership, but it looks pretty healthy for the first hit out. Yeah, but, and then um, um, Murata. Oh, I forgot how hard he hits. Jesus. So I reckon he nearly killed some people out there on the field. Seriously, the way every single hit up was they had to tackle him. They couldn't just, you know, it was 100% every single time. When he tackled, it was 100% every single time. He's really raised... He's another one that's raised his stocks with me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't think I've ever seen him hit harder. I think I saw somewhere the play, uh, the boys, the Paramount boys were actually quoting... Oh, sorry, quoted saying, in training, he hits hard, and you've got to go 100% or you're going to end up hurting yourself. So it's know, good that, that he takes 60s, that approach. 60s has mentioned that his training box be cool if it was on record by the players, but... Yeah, very very physical game from Murata. So it's really it's a really crowded tussle for the back row um, at the Eels because those two players had you know really strong showings against Canberra or the Mounties, however you want to spin it. But you've also got obviously Manu Mau, Tepai Moroa, and then you know even even beyond that, there's a couple of fringe guys like Celeste Fainga who are you know trying to uh, fight for you know a, a spot in the bigger picture. So well, yeah, hopefully um, Celeste actually kitted up. Even though he flew him from Darwin, he was actually um, given the number 23 jersey later on in the match. I thought he might have come on in the fourth quarter, but I don't think he did. I didn't spot him out there, yeah. yeah. There, was a, there was a lot of jersey changeovers, but I don't recall Suisse being out there. No, but yeah, he was. He had full kit, so he would have been out there if he was given the chance. So that's good to see. Good there was attitude. also two number 17s at one stage in the second, in the last quarter for Parramatta. It was yeah, chaos the last quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to ask you guys uh, a question. Who do you reckon will be more, say, unimpressed? Would it be Rip Taylor or Brad Arthur? Or who do you reckon will be more, imp- like, um, took more out of the trial? Brad Arthur or uh, Rip Taylor? I'd have to say Brad, in my opinion, because the Wenty reshuffle led to a lot of disjointedness in the team. Um, so it would have been hard for Rip Taylor to take good or bad out of that game, even though they got gunned down pretty hard. But I think, you know, especially considering where we were last year, he needed to see a, a strong, cohesive showing. And the four tries to one, four tries to two effort was largely that because I thought we did control the game pretty heavily until we let our discipline just slip up a little bit and let the Raiders uh, get field position by way of penalties. So there's still a lot to work on heading into that pen of trial, not this week, but the week after. But I think that Arf would get more out of that game than Taylor. Yeah, that was one point that I was going to touch on is that the, the controlling nature of the halves. Um, those midfield bombs you touched on in your blog were gone yeah. um, as opposed to sort of uh, angled kicks, which most of them found the grass or they did put it up to that Simonson, is that how I pronounce it? Because um, he was having a bit of a shocker under the high ball um, until their chance nickel Clodstad, I think it is, came in. Um, but the, the kicks were precision. Especially that one from Brown, which led to uh, Michael Jennings racing up the field and uh, taking, I think it was Nickel Clodstad into into touch, or it might have been Simonson. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, that, that ability to control the game, I thought we controlled it through the middle for that first half period until um, 
some of the bigger boys came off. And, and talking about that middle uh, junior Paulo, he looks ready, mm-hmm. rearing to go. He was probably best on park for mine. Yeah, he was sensational. Uh, sporting the Predator dreadlocks, oh. he, uh, was, <laughs> he was looking fearsome. Um, would not be, I wanted to tackle that, you know, that man mountain. He, well, he had like five or six offloads. He was just offloading at will. They were all quality uh, and was making, you know, 12 plus meters a run. He had a big, you know, big uh, set of minutes too across, was it two stints, I think? Um, yeah, he, yep. first and third quarter. Yeah, he looked real good. Um, he's definitely going to be the, the alpha guy, the, um, the leader of that forward pack. And, you know, you really can't, you know, praise, praise him enough. And we need more than just junior, obviously, but having someone like that is a huge step forwards for our forwards, as weird as that was um, set up. Yeah, yes, it is a, an important piece in the engine room. And um, I was talking to my brother-in-law on, on Saturday night, um, and he he lives up on the central coast where the boys went away for a weekend, I think it was, um, or at least Brad Arthur has a house up there or Michael Jennings or something. And anyway, I was talking to Michael Jennings, and if you recall, Jennings... Um, started off his juniors as a St. Mary's junior, <laughs> St. Mary's Saint. So apparently he was really stoked to get back to the old stadium. And he'd especially be stoked. What do you estimate? There was about five, 6,000 people, maybe a, a couple of hundred more or so? Yeah, I'd say between five or 6K pretty comfortably because it was filled out on both the, the main sides, the long sides, and then had quite a few people at either goal zone, so goal win. So that was pretty pretty bumping. Yeah, it was an obstructed view because everybody had to sand around the side of the fence. I'm like, if you've been to that oval before, not often do you have people stand up because there's plenty, like if you sit back, there's plenty of viewing room. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, the, the viewing angles were pretty shit unless you got to the <laughs> state, uh, to the to the grandstand pretty early. <laughs> well, yep, I was there and I, I got there at, I think it was quarter past five or so. And there was already about 100 people in front of me, yeah. I reckon. So. <laughs> well, I got there pretty early because um, uh, 60 scored a, a set of you know, corporate tickets. I didn't even know that St. Mary's had corporate. It was just literally an air, like, the air conditioned top of the stadium. And it was like, pretty jam-packed by then. Um, so that was a very, very cool part of the um, turnout of the game. Oh, come to um, afraid privileges, hey? Yeah. Where are you so going to get every, some every of now, that? Every now and then, we get, we get some good stuff once in a blue moon. But we always have to put up with guys like you, Bertie, so... When does the Podman get their own um, little box for the stadium, man? It'll, it'll, it'll come, mate. We'll, we'll yeah. get our own um, our own box at some point. you got to raid your dad's wallet. Oh, <laughs> oh God, yeah. That's how but, uh, oh, he doesn't listen to the I've, pot, so it's all good. He won't know. A few other bits and pieces I had coming out of his trial. Um, we touched on Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown. Um, I thought Moses ran a little bit hot and cold, which is um, you know sort of par for the course for Mitch. Um, he's a bit of rocks and diamonds. Um, the, try, the try he laid up for Ethan Parry, the second one, was just ridiculous. Uh, you know, he showed his speed, elusiveness, and precision kicking to put it on a dime for him. Um, but he was also a little bit clunky getting the ball out to the right edge at times. The ball hit the turf a few times, or the timing of the pass wasn't quite right, uh, quite there for um, Josh Josh Hoffman, was it? And Ethan Parry? That's right. Um, goal kicking, it was a concern last year, concern this year. Once again, Moses and, and even Guffo who's our backup option, neither of them instill me for a huge amount of confidence um, when it comes to striking off the tee. Uh, what else I got here? Just thinking quickly. Uh, I thought Reed was a little bit rusty. He ran the ball nicely, but his um, service out of dummy half was a little bit off timing-wise, but that'll get worked out in the preseason. That's the whole point of having trials. And 
The the big question mark for me out of that game is the centre position. Um, uh, Jamin Salmon came on as, as the um, second option after Josh Hoffman started it, uh, but neither Hoffman nor Salmon looked fantastic. Uh, neither got you know great opportunities either. But uh, with Salmon's looming suspension, we, we think it's one game as I touched on before. Uh, you, you'd expect probably Brad Takarang to step in there for week one. But I, I think it's a position that we need to monitor uh, through the start of the season because I think that whoever's there will probably you know cop their lumps, whether it's because of um, lateral issues like Tacker or learning issues like uh, Jamie. Well, um, one Ethan Parry can play centre. Well, that's, that's a good point. That... <laughs> You know, we talked about Ethan being a star on the wing there, but he has plenty of experience at centre. Um, and even Blake Ferguson's obviously an option there too in that regard as well, but you probably want to keep him on the wing. So if if he, you know, factors into the top 30, Ethan Parry could be a solution there as well. There was one, there was one thing, sorry, I wanted to touch on, which was the ill-discipline again. The, and I know you're sort of testing it out, it's only a trial, but in the first set, I think we gave up two penalties, which allowed Raiders to, to set up a couple of times on our try line. Um, we rebuffed them, but still, um, throughout the game, both sides were probably um, prone to a bit of ill discipline. And after, I don't think we figured out the ruck interpretation for a long period last season. Uh, they want to smarten up between the ears, especially in regard to their discipline. Very, very good point. Yeah, we, we definitely fell way behind the eight ball on that as you said, the interpretation of the ruck last year and it killed us. So you want to hope that we've got it sorted out within the first few rounds. And I think that about touches it up. Um, so don't be disappointed with the scoreline I saw at usual social media. Or if you can't beat a backup Raiders team, um, you know, they were up 20 to nil for a reason when they had all their first graders on there. Um, and it was only when Wenty sort of came on that things sort of turned. Um, I think that about sums up that match. Um, so the Indigenous All-Stars, um, I got home and KO, it's a beautiful app, um, <laughs> highly recommend it to anybody. Are we sponsored um, so by them yet? We're not, we should be, tell should, you what. Nah. Um, I should give me a, a couple lot. of free months. <laughs> but then again, it's only 25 bucks a month, so you know, better, better than um, Foxtel. Um, so Indigenous All-Stars tries to Ferguson and French and Ferguson's backflip, have at it. <laughs> Yeah, he's, good. He, he's still at that backflip as well. I saw someone post a link <laughs> of him of him doing backflip in front of some kids today. Oh, that was heart and mouth stuff. Because it, oh, yeah, it was a corkscrew backflip. It was a corkscrew backflip. That's what got him done. I mean, I, I'd care if he actually hurt himself, but the fact that he didn't is okay. Yeah. But doesn't matter. It's only, only I know that celebration. That's what we need more of. Need more. We need more backflips. I, I reckon go for a double backflip next time. <laughs> The, the big media narrative out of this game was the anthem or lack of singing of the anthem, which oh, I, I don't really care for one way or another. Um, it's an all-stars game. You know, you, you should be forcing to sing anthems. And But uh, I thought the game itself was highly entertaining. I caught the back half of it and then saw the full highlights later. Uh, it was played in the, the right uh, frame of mind for an exhibition match. You know, big, open, expansive footy. Um, a lot of guys, you know, as Ham said, enjoying their tries and, and showboating, which is great. Um, you know, and I thought it was if a fun game. If you could get Fafita to stop being such a fuckwit and play like that every week, <laughs> God, he could be the, the greatest forward of all time. Yeah, he is such a dominant physical presence through the middle. But like you said, he, he's just got that fuckwit element to his game, which is part of the reason it makes him great at times. 
but it also makes him immeasurably frustrating to watch as a neutral fan. And um, Bevan French looked very good in this match, I have to say. Yeah, he looked a lot bigger than what I thought he was. I think he's put on a couple of kilos. He seemed to be bigger in the chest. But he, I, he, still a few things about Bev. I just think he needs to get involved a little bit more. But, you know, I'm not going to not going to worry about that in an All-Stars game. Yeah, and he was looming on a couple of times when Ferguson moved into right centre, so it was nice to see that sort of uh, club pairing. Uh, Ferguson, if he passed the ball inside, French goes over. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) um, he didn't, um, and not to worry too much. But, yeah, it was good to see sort of, you know, those two blokes that have only set a pre-season together. Um, At least they've got some sort of um, partnership struck off. Not that they're going to be paying as a centre-wing pairing, or at least we don't think they will be. And Fergie was as advertised when it came to actual gameplay. I know he bombed that one try, but he was running the ball really strongly. Um, had an easy finish for a try. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he'll add to the team. Um, you can't really under undersell or, or oversell, I don't know, um, how much of an impact you know having a, a strong starter and a strong finisher can bring to your team. So I'm really looking forward to what he can do against Penrith um, in one the back-to-back back games there. Ooh, sorry, 40. That's all right. Uh, one thing I noticed was, um, you know, we're talking about kick returns and everything, but one thing I was really impressed with was um, on kickoffs, he'd he'd take the second or third hit up off the kickoff, which shows a willingness to get in there and actually try and generate some ruck speed, help out the bigger guys, and I thought that was really impressive. Well, let's move on to a bit of news, and the first one, now I'm just going to read from the Herald article, because um, the Daily Telegraph article sort of undersells a bit, um, but anyway, Warriors are under scrutiny over a $30 million bid to lure the Eels' young gun, um, Dill Brown, um, so I'll just read a bit, which is New Zealand Warriors and their controversial talent scout, Peter O'Sullivan, are facing scrutiny over an attempt to allure Parramatta youngster Dylan Brown across the Tasman on a $3 million deal. That could be deemed a breach of the NRL's anti-tampering rules. And they reckon the base pay for seasons 2020 to 2025 adds up to $2.8 million New Zealand or $2.69 million Australia, plus a relocation fee of $57,000-odd. Now, New Zealand dollars to be advised should Parramatta release Dylan if he signs with the Warriors for season 2020 subject to salary cap levels. Now, both um, the Warriors and Dylan's management have said nothing to see here. It was a mistake. We didn't realise he was under contract for 2020. <laughs> um, but, That's crap. Um, you know, I've got a bridge to sell you if you believe that. <laughs> um, so, hopefully they both get um, into a bit of trouble for this because... It's been happening a lot in the lower grades. Um, you know, there's those buses coming from Manly out to Western Sydney all the time, and the NRL never does anything about it. Yeah. Um, but it'd be nice if they actually pulled their finger out and actually did something about this. Well, the Warriors are pointing fingers at the manager or for mistaking the fact that the last year of his contract was, in fact, the club's, well, not even the club-controlled option. It was just it was watertight. He thought it was a player option, and thus... He was able to negotiate, but that that just rubs me so wrong that he would not know his client's contract, you know, with with enough faith to correctly negotiate. Um, so this was obviously done in bad faith. Player managers have been an issue for this game going back a long time. It reared its ugly head in the Parramatta Surrey Cap saga in 2016. Um, but I think I saw you comment on, on Reddit about it, Hamish. 
it, it just sort of magically went away. And you can understand why, because the player managers hold so much sway that the NRL probably couldn't, you know, come down on them as they needed to. Uh, but it, it's unfortunate to put Parramatta into a very awkward situation because the Warriors have now framed the market for Dylan Brown, where he's only going to make more money if he uh, plays well this year. And we've, we've foregone any sort of competitive advantage we had as the the club that has developed him and you know and brought him along because his manager can now say, well, you know what, I've got my um, $3 million deal on the table. Uh, what are you going to do? And it was the, um, the, the largest contract ever offered to a player yet to play an NRL first grade game. The, the last player to get any sort of deal with any like, you know, experience then was obviously Kalen Ponga. And the Knights took a huge chance on him, and, and it looks like it's coming out trumps. But, but he, he had played a couple of games. That's right. He, he, he that played time. a couple of games in relief for uh, Lock and Coot that year, including one game against us. And but see, he was playing fullback, and they off, they wanted him to be their 5'8". So, like, how did they know, like, they took a gamble he would turn out to be a great 5'8". Like, he still hasn't played 5'8 yet for Newcastle, except for a couple of games, but... I don't see it's a big risk with this Brown. Like, if we offer Brown a similar contract, because you look at what Knights did. They've been in a hole for, what, for the last three, four years, and they needed a hit, and they got, like, like I'm not going to say they got lucky, but they took a gamble. They did take a gamble. That's right, Bertie. Yeah. yeah. And now, like, so he wasn't, it was just a record. He was half a season in the first grade. Now he's playing, he's an origin, set of origin representative, representative and player. And he's, he's practically won the Dalian medal this year already. Yeah, and you know, so you, the, already the deal yeah. looks, already the deal looks and, already, you know, like a good deal, so I don't see, maybe 2.4. can I just say, if you haven't seen that video from the Boom Rookies, check it out. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, one person that has been brought up in all of this, Nathan Kalis, he'd know how long Dylan Brown was signed for. He he's, was involved with him in the juniors. Would he, he wouldn't even know when to call training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but seriously, like he would go, this Dylan Brown's good, right? Let's offer him a contract. He'd know. He would be, he'd know that he was on contract until 2020 and it was wrong. So he's, his name should be thrown up. And as much as I loved Kalis as a player, that's he'd know, and that's wrong in my opinion. There, there really should be repercussions for what happened here. Whether the manager gets a significant fine or some sort of suspension, or the, the Warriors, you know, cop something for their involvement, because you know, it takes two to tango. They should be well, doing their due, due diligence as well. Everything yes, around him just stinks. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's, he's got the anti-Midas touch. He has a a very checkered past. At and Melbourne are, Storm, and then he had Eddie Hasten deposit $700,000 in his tab account over a number of years. And Eddie Hasten, you know what he's bloody um, uh, the alleged to have done? Him. Yeah. Isn't um, so, Jim Doyle at the club, the Warriors club now? Is Jim Doyle? I'm not sure, sorry. Was it? Because I thought he was on the um, commission. Or well, he worked something to do with the NRO, and now he's at the Warriors. So he should, he, like, he could have some knowledge about contracts as well at the NRO, if that makes sense, like... Maybe I'm just talking crap. I'm sure I heard something. People were complaining about Doyle going back to the Warriors because he had inside knowledge and a few things. Regardless That's of um, that was a of couple the, of years ago. Yeah, I think, so. Regardless yeah. of the um, of it being the Eels involved in this, as you know, the victims. It, this has been a long time coming. The NRL needs to take a strong stance on the anti-tampering aspect of negotiations. Um, we saw with the Angus Crichton deal with the Roosters, he signed you know a full year plus. Um, ahead of being off contract, or you know, it's just it's, it's getting out of hand. They need to um, find, and you'll never keep it perfectly balanced because you know managers always find loopholes and ways to communicate. But they need to put their foot down in some regards. But 
um, on the flip side, this was actually the event that kickstarted the Dylan Brown mania in the media. So it's it's what sort of threw his name into the limelight and started the the hype train. So um, where where it ends up for him, it'll be interesting to see. But it, it sort of it, it put us put him from a literal only known by para hardcore fans and obviously NRL talent evaluators as one of the best young prospects in the game, but firmly into the national spotlight and you know it rode him to his uh, trial debut against the the Mounties slash Raiders on Friday. I've just read on the Herald there that uh, apparently it's confirmed now that Dylan Brown's going to be top 30. There you go. Yeah, so logic wins out there. Not like the club was never going to have him top 30. That was a, you know, no no, um, no bullshit move there. And, and that was for Prushenko, whose uh, Parramatta male is usually pretty, yeah, pretty well, good. Well, uh, well entrenched in, in the club there, yeah. So, yeah, and now we get to... Um, who was it? Was a birdie saying that the Dylan Brown hypes moved this up from 16th to 12th on Reddit predictions? No, I think so. No, no, that, 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 yeah. that was a raw article, and yeah. the oh, author was a Parramatta Eels fan, so I, I wouldn't sway too much on that. <laughs> raw articles, we need to say. So, <laughs> um, all right. Next bit of news: AGM uh, last night. So the rival tickets put together a proposal, which was to essentially to dump Mac Do- Donnelly's. Uh, requested amendments to have the first board uh, nominated by um, the administrator and, and, and well, I guess the other people involved in that um, to be fully elected by the members, uh, and that proposal got knocked on its head. So the only way left forward now is uh, to have Max Donnelly's proposal put forward, that is the original seven board members will all be selected. And then we'll be having, is it yearly, three three people up for no, election? Uh, or two, every two Sorry. years, I think, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. It's been a while since I've been here properly. I, think every, <laughs> I can't remember, actually. I think it might be three people every year, but it's stated yeah. to be biannual so that you have uh, only three people up every year. Like, there's different, like a rotating set of um, board members. Yeah, that's what I understood. Yeah. So, yeah. so, three people up get, for election you don't, get a block, you don't get a block in. There's only three people up every um, every year, yeah, and it's staggered. That's how I, I thought the, the the thing was set out. I could be wrong. So, so we're not clear on when the next AGM will be held, um, but I assume at that point um, we're going to have to just get it passed so that we can um, you know move forward as a club. Um, but if not, Max Donnelly will stay in, in his place. And um, just to get around some of the, um, in quotation marks, fake news on social media... Uh, Donnelly isn't on 500000 or a million dollars a year. It's in the actual club... Um, annual report. Year, annual report, which <laughs> yeah. they have to publish because they are a registered club. Um, and it's about $260,000, not just for Donnelly, but also for, you know, the administration, um, all the extra bits that go with it. Well, I think that clarifies everything. So let's move on to the previews now. Uh, we won't have as many games, unfortunately, because we don't have first grade. Is, is Jersey Flegg and um, and uh, Wenty also going to have more trials at some point? Or I think their next proper one is against Penrith. It's going to be all on the one day. But I okay. feel like Wenty have another trial. I remember seeing somewhere. I'll have a look. Go on, okay. though. Well, while you're doing that, we'll, we'll get to the... To the um, the junior reps, which starts off... Well, we're all at New Era Stadium, but the Eels are playing three different teams in the three different grades. 
Uh, so Tasha Gales start at 9am at New Era Stadium, taking on the Dragons. The Dragons beat the, I think, the Sharks 40 to nil on the weekend. So they're another one of the top teams in this competition. Um, so we'll see how the, the uh, women go against the Dragons uh, women. Um, then moving on to the Harold Matthews Cup, the Eels are taking on the Sharks at 10.30am. Um, how are the Sharks travelling? Do we uh, not too good. They lost their first game against the Steelers, 16-10, and then had a bye last week. So, so th- we're hoping to make it three from three in the Harold Matthews. Uh, anybody on the Sharks team that stands out to you, Hammond 40? Wouldn't have a clue about the Harold Matts, sorry. Yeah, that, with, with the new rotations of um, teams in the Harold Matts, it's always hard to get a grip on, on um, prominent uh, rival talents. So I haven't, I haven't heard much about that team. And then in the SG ball, the Eels will take on the Manly Sea Eagles at New Era Stadium at 12pm noon. Um, so as I said, three grades, three different teams they're versing. Big, big grudge match. Um, yeah. Lots of people involved in the Harold Matthews Grand Final last year um, with the Harold Matthews guys graduating to SG ball. Ham already mentioned that we've got one of their players um, in our team um, in the front row. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name, um, but one of the, one of the rare home games for us this year. So it'll be good to get out there and watch that. Yeah, oh, you talking about Ben Trevojevich um, um, is trotting out for the Seals. Yeah, you just mentioned a rivalry. Uh, number six, Josh Schuster, also a mm-hmm. an Eels junior. There's another one on the bench, Christian Wiongi. Um, there was talk of him going to rugby union this year, but he's gone to Manly. So I think I think he went to union last year and then magically came back to Manly. So there yeah. you go. So a couple so, yeah. of um, para boys there. Um, this will be a fiery game. I've got no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, I, I, last I, I, time, I'm feeling Manly will win. I just think um, with Sam Hughes gone, as good as our, as good as the replacements are, Sam Hughes is on another level um, for this grade. So and Manly have been travelling pretty well across the first two games. I just hope Parramatta just hold the ball, um, try and play to their strengths and l- limit a defeat and try and possibly jag a win. Well, I think Forty said at the beginning of the season that we're going to have to graft our, our wins on a bit of grit, um, but mainly a win in both their first two games and they were both away from home, so... Um, 54 points they've scored in the two games, 38 against. So um, it'll be a tough run out at uh, New Era Stadium. Yep. Um, just quickly, Mounties play Wenty at Aubrey Keach Reserve Saturday, 6pm. I hate, I hate Aubrey Keach. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a nowhere stadium. Yeah, it is. The very definition of a nowhere stadium. And then we'll jump into the Country Rugby League Um Juniors, so the Johnson Daly Cup and Johns Cup Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Parramatta Eels taking on the Northern Rivers Titans, and that's at Guildford, so at McCready Park out at Guildford. Um, so that's pretty much, yeah, that's not country. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's the city. <laughs> Although if you've been to um, McCready Oval, it sort of looks a bit country. Yeah, you're not wrong, it does. <laughs> and then in the... The Daily Cup is at 3pm, so Northern Rivers Titans. Uh, again, Parramatta taking on Northern Rivers Titans and the same venue, McCready Park at Guildford. So if you haven't got enough of your rugby league fix, you can 
try quickly drive over from New Era Stadium out to um, Guildford. Um, <laughs> you miss good about, luck with the traffic. <laughs> you miss about 20 minutes, I reckon. <laughs> um, and if you can't, uh, you can catch it on YouTube as discussed before. And we've put those uh, links in our um, show notes, but also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so well worth uh, checking it out if you want to watch a bit of junior talent because there was, there was some actually... It was some pretty high quality for juniors uh, rugby league. Yeah, I was, um, you're, you're supporting a, an important initiative in, as far as the digital content and the digital future of this game. So you know, just tune into the stream and give it a, a you know a view and a like if ever um, if since it's on YouTube. And sorry, Ham, did you want to add something to that? No, all good. All good. All good. Well, yeah. I think that just about wraps it up. Um, we've had our chat on the Eels first grade. Um, blokes that stepped out for us. Oh, I just want to touch on um, Michael Jennings. He looked fired up and ready to go as well. Somebody that had a, a very down 2018. And I think we've all still got that last image of Jennings getting sent off um, and having a bit of a, a cry in the sheds, just full of disappointment and absolutely shattered at the year he had. But he was flying. And um, especially that try that he scored from the kick put in by Gutherson um, just showed that he had a fair bit of speed going. I thought, yeah, he looked pretty sharp. Um, it was hard to tell from my angle who was at fault for the, the butchered try. I thought Michael's pass was a little bit flat. Nah. And yeah. It was George. It was George. <laughs> I can tell it was you. George, there <laughs> you go. He went to cut back <laughs> on the inside and... Oh, um, God sort of stayed out and it didn't really go out far enough. I don't think the pass was on. I thought um, Michael could have held it and sort of stepped back on the inside, but because the pass was there and did pass it, that it ended up being George's fault sort of in the end. There you go. But um, yeah, I I touched on the issues we have at the other centre spot, but if Michael can have a big year, um, and it is a contract year, so I'm expecting him to have a pretty good year, um, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be very useful for us um, because we've got a lot of... um, youth and ex- inexperience in that back line otherwise. Oh, and the other thing we didn't mention is that uh, Gufferson looked really good. Um, you know, yeah, second year back from the ACL. Um, uh, we've, we've spoken about this a lot in the pod in the last year in that that first season is often a real struggle. Same thing happens to Tulvasa Shek in 2017. Then in 2018, he goes on to win the Dalie M. So I'm looking forward to what he can do because he showed a little bit more. Um, and obviously, he's been in the halves in 2016, uh, 2016, 2017. 2017, sorry. Um, uh, it was showed... the start of 2017, but the back that's end, right, he played the majority of it at the back end of 2016. That's right, yeah. So he sort of had that almost a season's worth of um, halves, halves gameplay. He showed that when he um, set up the Michael Jennings try with a really savvy override um, down the blind side on the left edge, and he kicked the head scene, there was no fullback. So um, I'm really encouraged by that, and hopefully we can see more of that from a, a young but very uh, talent-laden spine. Yeah, well, I think the last thing is that in the, the press afterwards, BA's pretty much all but confirmed our spine. So Gutherson, Brown, Moses and Reed Marnie. And the other big talking point across all the trials over the weekend, no injuries. So um, the injury gods have been uh, um, bountiful so much so far this preseason. Yes. And that, that's the single biggest thing that, you know, for any preseason, isn't it? Is that you come out of it without significant uh, injuries. Because that can crawl you before you get the you know a ball kicked off in anger at round one. So yeah, we just got to get through the Penrith trial now, and yeah, and then play Penrith again shortly after. I did have one question. So in that third quarter, um, and towards the fourth quarter, there was a blonde-haired bloke that was jumping into either half ah, or, or yeah. acting that, half. Who's that? 
That's uh, the Wenty contracted uh, Reece Davies. Reece Davies. There you go. So he's a uh, okay, half slash half slash utility, and that that's probably something we should also touch on is that we're pretty um perilous at hooker depth at the moment. Uh, Will Smith was um I think he's just been pulled out of the orange jersey, so he's on his way back from non non contact, and um I think Case is in the same situation where he's he's still non contact. So uh, Reed had to do a pretty heavy load at hooker that game. And yeah, and we we could be you know a little bit skinny heading into round one in that position. Well, I think that'll just about wrap that up. Uh, Birdie, what have you been dealing with? Um, uh, did you get you the Posca like, out? Sorry, what? <laughs> did you get the Posca out this week? The old Posca. Listen, listen, listen. You dirty, dirty birds, get your mind out! Like I'm a Catholic man, man. You know, like no, seriously. Uh, I just want to say that you can't use the last podcast for evidence in case I get. If the, if the club finds out there's been a tag mark at the new stadium, that wasn't me because I'm not stupid enough to do that. I'm paid. I'm paying $150 a year to go to the games. Why would I risk that? So, well, I was just, with, the, with the good old Posca. Yeah, old good old, yeah, Posca mark, you know, the stuff you get from the chemist, none of this, like, yeah, you know. No, we, we, need Pos- we need KO Sports to become a sponsor. We need Posca yeah, to become a oh, sponsor. Yeah. For sure, so man. Uh, free Posca KO markers and free the, Poscas. I, I, I 100% uh, recommend uh, using Posca markers. They're very good. But, uh, yeah, other than that... Uh, I'm surprised a lot of you took it the wrong way. I thought you knew what it meant because uh, it's a very common product in this, the uh, news agencies. You know, you see it on the in the war. So, oh, they yeah. have a, a, tw- a Twitter. We'll, we'll tweet. We'll tweet at them at the end of the show. No, no, no. no. Last time we it. tweeted out a question, we almost started a riot. You know, we had an ex-player call a chicken parmigiana parmi. Uh, <laughs> now he's in England, listening to Frozen. Let it go. You know, like. Seriously, man. The like, power of the podcast. The the fuck podcast, with us. Yeah. At, at one stage, it was working when uh, Ben Simmons and uh, one of the Kardashians, uh, whatever it is, split up, but might have to get the old hashtag out. But yeah. <laughs> Dump a Kardashian. Make it work. Forty, what's been happening in your world? Not a great deal. I've just been um, breaking down the trial, as you saw with um, my, my TCT stuff. Um, it was All-Stars Week in the NBA, so there were some pretty hilarious highlights to come out of that game, um, and just trying to think in the oh the BBL final happened. I don't know if you guys watched that. That was ridiculous. The um, biggest choke I've seen. Oh, what unreal. since is it the Dragons in nine? August last year? <laughs> or the I year don't before? Think the, the the Dragons come close to this. They were chasing 140 odd the stars, and they were none for 93 or something, and they they collapsed and lost. It was. Crazy. Seven so, wickets for like 19 runs or something. Yeah, seven yeah. for 19, I think, is exactly what it was, Hamish. Yeah. And the captain came Crazy out and stuff. said, uh, maybe we should have done a bit more heavy um, heavy lifting knowing what we had behind us. And I was like, yeah, Maxwell should not have said that. Yeah, that's, that is that is a very um, brutal assessment of his teammates there. Jeez. I didn't see that. What I did really like out of that is that they let the people invade the pitch. They actually prepared for it. And they quick, they cordoned off certain sections of the field, the pitch, and um, a play section. They let people invade the pitch and um, come meet the players. So that was really cool. I'm not sure if it worked for rugby league, but that was a, a really fantastic initiative and it showed a lot of foresight from the Renegades PR um, branch. So kudos to them for that. Well, one thing AFL does get right is allowing the kick on the ground after, you know, you get the siren about 15 minutes after full time and you can go out and kick the ball with your kids and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes they don't and you see Twitter get blows up about it, but... Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ham. Uh, nothing. <laughs> That's what it's been happening in my week. How's um, well, that? Interesting. 
Bandcamp or one time at Bandcamp. Um, <laughs> nah, nothing really. Pretty boring person. I only watch footy, so I don't watch any of these other sports. The only other sport I watch is the Marble Olympics. So yes, my man, the Marble Olympics. <laughs> he's back. Seriously, it's coming up in um, April, the Summer the, Marble Olympics, the 2019 Marble Olympics qualifiers just happened. Yep. Um, so if you don't know what we're talking about, just jump onto the old YouTube machine and um, punch in the Marble Olympics, or you can probably go Marble Olympics. I'll do that yeah, right you can. now. Yeah, Marble, Marble Olympics also works, and it'll direct you to Jelly's Marble Runs. And this bloke, unfortunately, deleted his previous channel, had a lot of his content stored on it. He's been slowly uploading the old stuff again. But he, he literally just runs marbles and races and com- has proper sports production, yeah. uh, like with overlays and, and time splits and all that sort of stuff, and commentates as if the marbles were actually running a race. And he's got connects and all these other stuff setting up these courses. It is incredible. Um, and you, you think it, it sounds stupid, but you'll sit there and all of a sudden you've watched 40 minutes worth of marble videos <laughs> and you're, you're actually invested in this stuff. It's awesome. Yep. Go the Oceanics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like there's dozens of teams and he creates crowds and, and supporters and whatnot. Ridiculous. And there's, there's uh, streakers and fights <laughs> yeah, in between the marbles. That's right. <laughs> oh, it is great. Joey's marble runs. There you go. One of my favourite things at the moment is, um, you know, dog shows and how they got the owners running around oh, the one and they edit a- out the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I haven't seen that. It's so good. Oh. <laughs> so I just look up dog shows without dogs. Here we go. Oh, it, it was on Reddit the other day. It's yeah, on like, it, was, um, it was on the front page. Garfield without Garfield. <laughs> the Garfield comics without yeah, Garfield. Same, same principle. No? It, just, it makes, it makes the show absurd. And yeah, just watch people running along with like these really awkward prances and poses. Can't you and not just be normal people and watch pimple popping videos on YouTube? Oh, Seriously, no, Dr. like oh, she's on Fox Bert, Bertie, now. I have one question for you, Yo. and we can ask it off air, but I think it'd be better to get it on air. Yo. <laughs> Do you watch Married at First Sight? Yes, yes. Oh, I knew it. It's, it's, Wait, just, something, on, it's just something I used to watch with my sister because um, she got married recently, and uh, it was just something because I hadn't hang, like hung out around with her that much, like. She lived away from me, so it was just something that we bonded and we had like I enjoyed it because it's it's drama, like you know it's it's a lot of fun. But uh, that Indus chick, she cray cray, she very crazy. Yeah, but, I think uh, we pinned you for a for a married at first sight fan. <laughs> I'm a sucker for any like to be honest, I'm a sucker for any show if if it's got drama. Like if if it's like uh, if there's a lot of drama involved, oh, I love it, man. It's you know. It's only so much uh, serious shit I can watch on the weekend for sports. You have to like, you know, mix it up a bit during the week. How much of a fine was that, Ham, um, based on the new team fines that we saw posted by Joey Grimer <laughs> on social media? Is that a $30 fine, I think? For yeah. what? Married at First Sight fan. Oh, okay. Was, well. This was uh, one of the, the... I can't find the picture anymore. But um, oh, Here we are. The, we got some breaking news while we're on um, air. Broncos have suspended Payne Hass. For failing to comply with an NRL Integrity Unit investigation, he will not start Whoa. the season. Yeah, uh, and ten thousand dollar fine. Oh, I've got to get him out of my fantasy team now. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do too. What well, can't the, these the players news. think? Whoa. Think of others before themselves. Think of the fantasy players out there. You know, like I think seriously. We'll need a bleep on that. God. The um, and this is after the media were blowing up, you know, blowing air up his backside after a you know strong showing against. Um, South Slogans. Uh, South Slogans, that's the team I'm looking for. Um, wow. All right, and, and in Hamish's world, my wife is going to the Chili Peppers tomorrow night, and I won't hey. be. 
Wait, what? Yep. Her, her, what, one happened, of her what best, happened there? Oh, one of her best girlfriends invited her along. She had a spare ticket. So, ah, there you go. Um, I get left out. Um, I don't know if she even listened to the Chili Peppers last album <laughs> or, or any of them in full. So, um, I'll bleep out her name actually in the post. I don't want your people knowing what well, I'll send you two tickets. What's your address? <laughs> oh, and where do you live? And, um, for a- what? No comment. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are we still recording? <laughs> Yeah. And um, for, for a little bit of quickbait uh, news, um, Jack Bellon has been uh, ruled out of the Dragons preseason due to sickness with a virus. Yeah, yeah. you know, never, never, never mind the um, the very serious rape allegations. He, he got stood down because of a virus. Oh, it's but, I, it's a fine line. I, I don't know which is. way I swing on that. It, and it, it, I, you can't fault people standing either way. Just the inconsistency across the NRL <laughs> is pretty frustrating. Um, you know, the NRL made a big uh, deal about Jared Haynes' uh, uh, allegation in Newcastle to the point that teams have frozen him out of the 2019 season, and they've come out in and stood, you know in solidarity for Jack DeBellin, despite the allegations being pretty. Like if you've read the article, the allegations are pretty significant, and the the lady involved went to the hospital and took the the rape test, the rape kit that night. So, um, yeah, you want to foreplay the presumption of innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, the the fallout when they are guilty and they're you know and they're talking about letting Jack DeVille play Origin this year if the case drags out that long, um, yeah, it's a really tricky situation, isn't it, Hamish? It is, and especially I was just looking back at some of the previous allegations. If you remember when Semi was accused and he got ruled out of Australian contention um, because of the allegations, but then you also touched on in the Discord that Dragons were very interested in trying to sign Hayne and then that came out and they wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, but they're exactly. standing by a bloke that's um, allegations are just as serious. So it's it's funny how it you works. You know who's been quiet lately? Erin Boland. She, she no, she hasn't. Her, has no, she it, hasn't. She, was, uh, she, she commented about, um, what's his name, Idiot Cartwright. Does, but did she come out and label um, uh, DeBell and the Rapist? Like, she practically labelled Semi. She's used primetime TV to out Semi, our Semi, as a um, uh, for bashing his misses essentially. Because I, she's just okay. She's passionate about the cause, but like she just should have kept her mouth shut. Because from that day, he was getting booed from the crowd, or from uh, from crowds, from rival yeah, fans. The, because you know, it's just the fallout of yeah. the Rodrada stuff was very bad. And oh. it's, it's it's a case of you know for the assumption of innocent until proven guilty. And obviously, it's part of a, a function of our legal system, but it's also a function of the private entity that is the NRL. Because unfortunately, when someone is innocent, as Rodrigo was cleared later of all of all charges, um, that you know, I was there for that Cronulla game, the first game um, out at Shark Park or in Devo Stadium, whatever it was called back then, um, and the crowd were filth. Like they were always going. To be fair, they were always going to jeer him, regardless of like um, Moywin's you know condemnations or not. But you know, it fuels the fire. Of course, and, man. They, they weren't booing him because he because he was an accused wife basher. They were booing him because he was black. <laughs> yes, that is a fine distinction there, Hamish. Um, and you know, it's symptomatic of other issues in society. But yes, the especially in the um, the, in the, the shire, shire, yeah, yes. shire. So you're right. That the, there is a distinction there with Sammy where there were a certain sub sub uh, subgroup of Cronulla fans and. That were reveling in the fact that uh, you know a, a you know a black guy was had those charges against him, and they could um, leverage that to say certain things that they should not say. 
So. All right, well, let's wrap it up on that happy note. Um, we've still got <laughs> another three weeks of pre-season. Um, I've just punched the calculator in. I'll pop it back up on Twitter. I think we've got it saved in the Discord. 25 days, 20 hours, 7... Oh, sorry, 2 minutes and 58 seconds. Um, Under a so month now, baby. Feels there good. we are. Um, very close to kickoff. And um, we'll, we'll see a bit more of the attack in action and, and our defence, of course, in the um, Panthers trial. Um, I think I saw in the media they're going to give uh, that first great spine about 70 minutes or so. Um, so we'll see if that does pan out. But it looks like they're going to use that trial match as an actual trial match uh, rather than... Or they could just be playing Ducks and Drakes because, um, of course, they've got to play Panthers two weeks yeah, later in the first match of the season. That's what I was going to say. Is it's such a fascinating situation. Like, how much do you keep up your sleeve because you're literally playing that team, you know, the, the next game up. So um, pen, the Penrith trial has usually been pretty good for us in the last couple of years. We went away from it last year, and maybe that was the problem. We went to Newcastle, and it, it cost us everything. Um, prior to that, we've been highly competitive after playing Penrith as our last preseason fixture. So hopefully good things ahead. All right, well, we'll catch you on the next Para podcast. Um, and that'll be to preview the upcoming trial with Penrith and then also wrap up all the junior reps taking place this weekend. And um, hopefully so- no more... News bombshells. Fingers crossed. Um, and best of luck to all the Eels in action in the junior reps and also in the country rugby league uh, reps, which, as we've touched on, you can t- uh, grab on YouTube and um, send some compliments uh, country rugby league's way, either on Twitter, Facebook, or I'm sure they've got an email or something about setting all that up because um, the digital pathways, as Forty's touched on before, um, it's the way that sport is going uh everywhere um, and it'd be fantastic if we can have proper streams to those junior junior reps all right we'll catch you next time see you guys have a good one